What About It Pro Wrestling fans, and welcome back to another episode of What About Wrestling. I'm your host, Dylan Roberts, and I want to address a couple things at the top of the show. Last week, I informed you guys that my work schedule allowed me to record on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and I had been thinking about changing up the recording schedule to better fit the WWE schedule. And the very next day, I went into work, and they told me that my work schedule was going to be changing until sometime around August or possibly even into the late fall. So now I'm going to have to start recording on different days throughout the week, just whenever I can kind of get to a microphone. So I want to apologize for that because, you know, I laid out this big grand new schedule and how I was going to start doing things. And then, like I said, the next day, it all changed and we'll no longer be able to do that until I go back to my work schedule that I was on. So it's all to help out the company that I'm working for. So, I mean, I could have told them no, but you know how it is when you're at work and you're trying to do the best for your bosses and you're trying to be a good company man. And that's what I was trying to do. And that's the situation at hand. So at the end of the day, this is just a hobby. This is just a pastime for me. So I can't you know, put this, I can't prioritize this over my real job, you know, that makes fun, uh, money for my family and puts food on the table, the whole deal. So I wanted to start out by apologizing for that. This episode is being recorded on a Friday before SmackDown. And because I kind of just don't think SmackDown night is going to be that important. I don't think the draft stuff is going into effect until Monday. It looks like all the matches are set up for backlash this weekend which is what I'm going to be talking about today. And uh, yeah, I just felt like today would be a good day. I had a little, I've got some time today to get in front of a microphone and sit down and vent some of my frustrations about what happened with the draft and talk about backlash. It's going down tomorrow in Puerto Rico. So that's how we're going to do the show today. Um, again, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in and my social media engagement has been going up, even though I haven't been very active on social media the past couple of weeks. I mean, nothing has changed with my job. I'm still extremely busy. We're in a weird time period right now where people are not at work and I'm having to cover for other people. I'm working a bunch of days straight, that kind of thing. And I'm not complaining about any of that. I actually love what I do. I have a lot of fun at work. Um, I make pretty good money. So it's not, it's not like I'm complaining about work. I'm just, it sucks the fact that I can't devote more time to this because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I got to make some money. So, but enough about that. So before we just dive straight into the WWE side of things, I want to talk about a couple of things real quick concerning AEW. Now, we're not going to be breaking down anything AEW-wise this week as far as their weekly shows are concerned. We probably will get to talking about their new Collision show that is going to be announced. Um, but that's a completely different can of worms. We may open that up at some point over the next few weeks. But we're not going to get quite into that just yet. But one thing I did want to talk about that I forgot to mention on last week's podcast was CM Punk was at Raw. He did go inside. He did hang out for a little while. I think from what I'm reading that him and Triple H had a little bit of a talk for a little bit. And Triple H decided it would probably be best to call Vince McMahon and ask him what he should do about the situation. And Vince said you should probably just ask CM Punk to leave because that would be considered tampering since you were the head of creative. And to avoid any legal action, 
we should probably just put a complete stop to this right now. Tell him thank you for coming by and see you later. To which, again, from what I'm reading, CM Punk just obliged that. He thought that that was an okay idea and told Triple H thank you and we'll see you later. He also showed up at the Impact tapings where Naomi, who is now Trinity, her real name, debuted. I think that he was just there to see her and some friends and to chat it up with a couple of his friends. CM Punk's all over the place right now. And with everything going on in AEW, who knows what's going on? If you ask me, because I'm just a straight-up CM Punk hater, I think he's doing all of this for attention and for better negotiating tactics about his contract with AEW. But who knows? He could be trying to pop up somewhere that is not AEW after everything that went down between him, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, Tony Khan. Who knows what's going on with CM Punk. From what I understand, this whole collision show is to have two separate rosters to where he does not even have to interact with those people. And he still gets to be the mega draw that he has been for AEW. And speaking of mega draws for AEW, their all-in show that's going on at Wembley Stadium has supposedly sold over 40,000 tickets. No, scratch that. I think it's 60,000 as of today. I think it was 40,000 on the pre-sale, and then now it is over 60,000 as of today, Friday, May the 5th. A big deal for them. That is huge for them. Now, who knows? There's there's some conflicting numbers floating around online. Uh, some guy from ESPN that I was looking at that Tony Khan had called out online was saying that they had only sold 11,000 and not 40,000 or whatever Tony was trying to say that they had sold. But I'm the same guy who gets incredibly frustrated with Meltzer and Brian Alvarez when they try to say that the WWE did not sell 160 or 180,000 tickets or whatever it was for WrestleMania, that they only sold, you know, 80,000 total or whatever they try to say that bothers the absolute piss out of me. So instead of doing that, instead of saying, oh, well, AEW actually only sold, you know, 15,000 tickets so far, they've got the certain sections of the stadium blocked off and they're only seating people in every other row to make it look like it's full or whatever kind of hater mentality that I could say right now, I'm going to instead say congratulations to AEW. This is a huge day for your company. This is a huge day for professional wrestling as a whole. And for those people who do not enjoy the WWE product, this is your moment in the sun. Congratulations for the product that you enjoy so much becoming such a big deal. I love to see other people doing well. And while I'm not a huge fan of the AEW product anymore, it's not for me. I will say that AEW deserves to do good. They're providing something for people who have been missing something in their lives for a very long time. There is a segment of fans who were so fed up with the way that professional wrestling had been going down for so long. They now have a place to go. They now have a place to enjoy themselves. And I'm so happy for those people. And I'm so happy for Tony Khan and AEW. Congratulations. And now we will get into more of the WWE side of things. We're going to get into what happened with the draft. The WWE draft went down. I gave some predictions on what I wanted to happen. I didn't go too into detail where I covered 
what I wanted every pick to be or anything like that. But I'm going to run down the rosters real quick. And this is going to take a second, but I just felt like it would be important to cover. I'm sure some of you haven't seen every single pick um, just in front of you read out to where you can say, okay, these are the Raw guys and girls. These are SmackDown guys and girls. And for some reason, we have free agents, which we'll get into that. But starting with SmackDown, we have Roman Reigns, Edge, AJ Styles, Bobby Lashley, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Solo Sokoa, Rey Mysterio. SmackDown got the United States Championship in this uh, draft, which I didn't mention it, but obviously they got the Universal WWE Championship um, with Roman Reigns. But they got the United States Championship with Austin Theory, Sheamus. L.A. Knight, Rich Holland, Butch, Karrion Cross, Montez Ford, Cameron Grimes, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, Cruz del Toro, Angelo Dawkins, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Ashante the Adonis, Top Dalla, Elton Prince, Kit Wilson, Grayson Waller. In the draft for the women on the SmackDown side, they got the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair, which I'm sure they will just do some kind of title swap again. I hope that it's not nearly as awkward as the last time between Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Speaking of Charlotte, they also got Charlotte, Bailey, Asuka, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, Zelina Vega, Meechin, um, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Shotzi, Lacey Evans, Scarlett, B-Fab, and Tamina. So the SmackDown roster looks really good. It's clearly going to be smaller than the Raw roster because they have less time on TV. So they kind of try to balance that out. The Raw roster is obviously going to have the new World Heavyweight Champion on their roster, which is going to be crowned at Night of Champions. Um, later in the month, and they got Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, the tag team champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, Matt Riddle, Bronson Reed, Ricochet, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, Chad Gable, Otis, The Miz. They got the Intercontinental Champion in the trade, so kind of an even swap. Um, with the United States champion, they got the Intercontinental Champion Gunther, Giovanni Vinci, Ludwig Kaiser, Mansoor, Mace, Eric, Ivar, Apollo Crews, Dexter Loomis, JD, JD Madonna, McDonough, sorry, Odyssey Jones, Jinder Mahal, Vera Mahan, Sanga, Johnny Gargano, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, Akira Tozawa, and Riddick Moss. So, again, really strong roster. Um, I didn't realize just how even they got the rosters until I started reading them off the first time. I thought they'd done a really good job of getting these rosters evened out and to the point where you, we got some exciting storylines going forward. The Raw women's roster got the SmackDown Women's Champion again and even trade. They got Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, the women's tag team champions that are Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, the NXT women's champion Indy Hartwell, Natalia, Candice LeRae, Chelsea Green, Sonya Deville, Zoe Stark, Valhalla, Katana Chance, Caden Carter, Maxine Dupree, Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, Popper Niven, Zia Lee, or Zia Lee, and Tegan Knox and Emma. 
And here is where this gets really, really dumb to me. I'm sure it will make sense. They will make some sense of it. But I'm pretty steadfast in my opinion of why do we have free agents? Why do we have more than one free agent? They gave an explanation as to why Brock Lesnar is a free agent. Sure, fine, cool. But there are multiple free agents and it does not make any sense to me. The free agents are Brock Lesnar, Omos with MVP, Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler, and Von Wagner. I guess we can start on this whole free agents thing. Brock Lesnar being a free agent makes sense. They gave a reason why for it on TV. He negotiated his contract into a way that he could be a free agent. Sure, fine, cool. Did Omos do the same thing? Did Mustafa Ali do the same thing? Did Dolph Ziggler do the same thing? Did Von Wagner do the same thing? And if they all done the same thing, then why did every single member of both rosters not do the same thing? It would have made more sense to me if Cody Rhodes would have been a free agent because he's trying to get to Roman or, or whatever. But this free agent thing, it doesn't completely negate the point of a draft, which we're going to get into something else that seems like it's kind of negating the point of a draft. But what is the point in all this? I do not understand it. You know, um, it's just very odd. Brock Lesnar being a free agent, like I said, it makes a ton of sense because there's Brock is an attraction, right? He's the modern-day Andre. Like, you need him to come in and be in certain spots. There are Brock Lesnar spots. Brock Lesnar's not a weekly guy. You don't need him on TV all the time. You need him to come in and raise a little hell and then go away. Even if he becomes your champion, you want him doing what Roman's doing and what Brock's done in the past. You want him to be around for a second and go. Be around for a second and go. That's what you want out of Brock Lesnar. So that all makes sense. That's fine. But Omos, what is Omos doing as a free agent? He was originally drafted, I'm pretty sure. I think I read his name off again just a second ago. I think I forgot to take it out of here. I think he was drafted to SmackDown. Let's see here. I'm sorry. I'm looking back at the list. I should have had this prepared before I got on here. But I'm pretty sure Omos got drafted at some point during the draft. Um, and then later, it was just decided, well, no, he negotiated a free agent contract. I didn't read it off again, but I'm pretty sure he got drafted. I may be remembering that totally correct, incorrectly. I could have just had a dream about it. I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not dreaming about wrestling. Mustafa Ali. Tell me what the point of that is. I, don't get me wrong. I totally understand why him and Dolph Ziggler are on the free agent list because they're good workers. You can plug them in in anywhere on either roster and have them have a match. And then it doesn't matter. They're almost like, God, this feels so bad to say, but they're almost like modern day enhancement talent to where they can come in and get somebody over and then they're gone. They can have little storylines here and there and then they're gone. I get it. I definitely get it, but it's stupid from a logical standpoint, a storytelling standpoint. None of this makes any sense. The biggest one of them all that doesn't make any sense is Von Wagner. Dude wasn't even on the main roster. How does he get a free agent contract on the main roster? He's coming from NXT with a free agent contract. Makes no sense to me. 
my goal in in next week's episode, if this one if backlash wouldn't have been today, my goal for today's episode would have been to fantasy book out in the next few months with these rosters and kind of explain what I would do, um, which will never come to fruition, but it's fun to do. Of what what should we expect from these rosters? So probably next week's episode we'll break that down in a little bit more detail of what I would do. But I do have a couple things laid out here that I want to talk about. First off is the premium live event schedule that we have coming up. Tomorrow, May 6th, Backlash is in Puerto Rico. And we're going to cover the whole card today. At the end of the month, on May 27th, we have WWE Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia. On July 1st, we have Money in the Bank in London. And then on August 5th, we have SummerSlam in Detroit. So this, if I'm booking for WWE, just I wanted to cover this just because we're kind of talking about the draft. We'll, we'll jump into this first. Triple H announced today that there was going to be four triple threat matches across both brands. So Raw and SmackDown are going to have, I'm pretty sure, four triple threat matches apiece. It might have meant total. I'm not sure. But the way that I read it was four apiece. So you got 12 total competitors on each side. Those four matches are going to take place. And then the winners of those are going to face each other. And then the winners of those two matches are going to face each other at Night of Champions to decide your new World Heavyweight Champion. Keep in mind... The World Heavyweight Championship, the brand new title that they just debuted, is a Raw exclusive World Heavyweight Champion. They've done this whole thing because Roman Reigns has a stronghold on the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I'm fine with that. I think that that makes a ton of sense. What I don't think makes a ton of sense is you have a Raw exclusive title and you have SmackDown competitors competing for that title. Now, what are they going to do? They're going to have, the if say a guy from SmackDown wins, there is a 100% chance that that guy gets traded to Raw. Now, am I okay with that? I'm perfectly okay with that. But why not wait and have the draft after this tournament? <laughs> why not do that? That makes the most sense. When the draft idea was kind of brought up, I was just like, oh, well, this is definitely just going to happen after Backlash. You know, top to loose ends on these storylines. And then go into the, you know, your new rosters. So that was going to make sense to me. Well, then they decide to have it before Backlash. Well, then now the rosters aren't split yet. They're going to be split after Backlash. So that already doesn't make a ton of sense. Because if you have a draft, why not just put it into effect that night? But now we have this odd situation where we'll get into who I think is going to be, you know, in the finals of that match. But a guy from SmackDown and a guy from Raw are going to be facing each other for this Raw exclusive title. And the SmackDown guy wins, possibly. And then now he's got to come to Raw. Again, a little head scratching, and I'm probably spending too much time on this because it's not that big of a deal, but it's a little annoying. I mean, like as a fan, it kind of sometimes feels like you're getting smacked in the face. 
those of you who listen to this have heard me talk about how much I listen to the Bruce Pritchard Something to Wrestle With podcast. Something to Wrestle With Bruce Pritchard. And on the podcast one time, or several times, all the time, it seems like, he talks about how Vince just does things just because. Now, I've kind of changed my mind on how much Vince is involved in the WWE um, at this current point in time. I blamed the entire Raw after WrestleMania being bad on him. And as times went on, I've kind of regretted that because I don't necessarily actually feel that way now. I kind of just feel like Triple H had a he booked a bad Raw. I do think Vince is involved, but I think that for the most part, Triple H just booked a bad Raw. Um, but on Bruce Pritchard's podcast, oftentimes does he talk about Vince just doing things just because, and it makes sense in his head, and everybody else is kind of sitting there scratching their head, like, actually, this doesn't make any sense. You know, like, this doesn't make any sense. And one of the things that i done a few weeks ago, because I knew the draft was coming up and I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, I decided to go back and listen to the very first WWE draft. Um, Bruce done an episode on it. Him and Conrad done an episode on it. And I wanted to listen to what, you know, what all went into it. What did they have to say? Why was there a draft? What happened in that draft? I remembered some of the things like um, Bubba Ray and Devon getting split up, but Billy and Chuck being drafted together. And But one of the things, whenever that all went down, Conrad asked Bruce, well, what makes sense about that? And, Bruce said, you know, in Vince's head, it just made sense. To us, it didn't make any sense. But in Vince's head, it made sense. So we done it. That's kind of how all of this feels about the World Heavyweight Championship. Again, this is probably a Triple H call. And maybe in Triple H's head, does this make sense? Or maybe he booked himself into a corner where now he's got to make this decision of... Do I want it to just be raw guys or do I want to have the absolute best tournament possible to crown the new world heavyweight champion? I think that it's probably more of that. You know, I want to, I want to have the best tournament possible. So this just all makes sense. But to fans, especially fans who were not a fan of the draft to begin with, now they have to go through and try to make this all seem logical in their head of, okay, well, why did we even have a draft or why have a draft yet? Why already have the draft? I think that's the big kicker is I don't care. You know, even if I was a fan that hated the draft, I wouldn't care that there was a draft, but why have the draft and then have other guys from the other brand competing for this title only to have them traded over. If they win, why not just wait, have the tournament and then have your draft. So you don't have to trade anybody. Because God forbid AJ Styles wins this tournament. And then the OC, what does the OC do? Where do Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Meachin go? Which I'm not really sure. I understand that at one point Meachin was involved in some storylines there. But I don't understand why she got drafted with them. But that's beside the point. Do they come with AJ Styles if he wins? Or is it just AJ Styles by himself and the OC go back to setting and catering like they've been in the past you know, six months while AJ Styles has been out. I don't know, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And somebody commented online the other day about the whole wait and see thing under Vince, typically over the past, you know, eight or nine years, the wait and see thing in the WWE is never a good thing. Now under Triple H, the wait and see thing has kind of seemed like it's okay. You know, um, if you need to wait and see with Triple H, 
sure, you know, this this is probably for the best. But at what point does wait and see become, oh man, this is just annoying. You know, this this is hard to pay attention to. It's hard, it's not keeping my interest because it doesn't make a ton of sense. We'll get in, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. We'll see. Well, that's our only choice as fans is to just wait and see. But I don't know, not a huge fan of it. I went on that big tangent after reading off the pay-per-view schedule or the premium live event schedule. Um, and I said that I'm going to fantasy, but probably on the next episode. But I wanted to give you guys kind of a foreshadow of what I think should happen with these new rosters over the next couple months. Okay. And this is all I have wrote down here right now, but this is what I want to see. And then on next week's episode, I'm hoping to maybe get a little bit more in detail with this and maybe even change my mind on this. But this is just kind of what I've been going over the past couple of days in my head. And then I just kind of put it on paper before I started reading this podcast or before I started doing this podcast. And I'm going to read it off and kind of talk on it very, very briefly. And then we're going to move on to the backlash um, card and we'll leave it at that. But I want you guys to be thinking about what do you think about this? You know, these, these scenarios that I have laid out, report back to me on social media. Let me know what you're thinking. And then next week we will do a super deep dive into some fantasy booking, maybe even book out the next all the way to SummerSlam, possibly. But that would probably end up being a long episode. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I haven't made a final decision on it yet, but I know a lot of you guys like to get back with me. Um, some, of, some of you that are my closer personal friends love to text me about it and say, oh, man, you said this on the podcast and this is what should happen. So that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting everybody that listens to this podcast, comment on social media. Text me if you've got my number. Snapchat me. Hit me in the Instagram DMs. Don't care. I just want to know what y'all's feedback on this is and what do y'all think should happen. And then we'll discuss it next week. So some of the things I have wrote down here is since Omos is a free agent and Roman needs an opponent for Night of Champions, I think that Omos should face Roman at Night of Champions. Now, as far as match quality goes... Probably not going to be a good match. You know, Brock was able to carry Omos to an entertaining match at WrestleMania. Seth gets Omos tomorrow, and we all know that Seth can make anybody look good, except for The Fiend, I guess. Um, so I would love to see Omos versus Roman at Night of Champions. Obviously, Roman wins here. You don't want to break out into a full storyline right now with Roman because of a couple of the other things that I have planned for Roman going forward. Also at Night of Champions, in your World Heavyweight Championship Finals match, I think it should come down to, from the Raw side, Seth Rollins. Now, here is why I don't want Cody in this situation, and I think it's something that a lot of fans are thinking. And whenever Cody got drafted to Raw away from uh, Roman Reigns, we were all immediately just like, oh, no. They're going to give him the World Heavyweight Championship instead of the WWE Championship, which is not what the whole finish this story thing was about. So, in order to avoid that, the hottest, I as far as crowd reactions go, I think your hottest guys right now are Seth and Cody. And because I don't want Cody to win the World Heavyweight title and then be pinned into that corner, I think you should go with Seth here. I mentioned that last week on the podcast, but yes, I do think you should go with Seth here. And I think his opponent at Night of Champions 
should be AJ Styles. AJ Styles is the greatest professional wrestler of our generation. I think it's, you know, personal feelings. I think it's Seth, but I think that the majority of people say AJ Styles. They say that they, you know, he is the Shawn Michaels. He is the Bret Hart. So, with that being said, think of the match that AJ Styles and Seth Rollins is going to have. It's going to be phenomenal. And that was not, there's no pun intended. <laughs> I'm just talking. I don't know why I said phenomenal. I guess it's because I was already talking about AJ Styles. But yes, no pun intended. That match is going to be phenomenal if those two square off against each other. So, AJ and Seth at Not a Champions for the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth wins. We avoid all of this stupidity that is possibly somebody from SmackDown winning the title. All that's good, okay? Coming out of Night of Champions, Roman Reigns' first opponent should be AJ Styles. This What sucks about this is AJ's going to lose two world title feuds in a row. I don't know if you would consider the Seth thing a feud, but it's a match. You have AJ Styles and the OC, and then you have Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. Everything feels very flat and very even there. You know, you don't have so much of this Bloodline, you know, just attacking Roman's opponent, interfering in the matches. It feels very neutral. It feels very natural. So I think AJ Styles and Roman would be great. You have them face off at Money in the Bank. So you have a good two and a half months worth of Roman and AJ there, okay? At Money in the Bank, you have Cody Rhodes win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Does it feel way too obvious? Yes. Are there other options? Of course. I've heard LA Knight kicked around. I've heard Austin Theory kicked around as winning it again. I've heard Bobby Lashley kicked around as winning it. I understand all of those. I get it. I've even heard Sam Roberts thinks that Logan Paul should win it, which I think is a freaking incredible idea. But that's his that's his uh, prediction, and I don't want to just blatantly steal from it. And I do think that the obvious situation here might be the better one with Cody winning Money in the Bank. Okay? Cody goes on to challenge Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Would this moment feel a lot better if it was done at WrestleMania? Of course. Of course. But I think you have Cody beat Roman at SummerSlam. We'll leave it at that for right now. Like I said, we'll get into it next week. And then on the Raw side of things, I think Seth Rollins should go into a feud with Finn Balor that leads them through Money in the Bank and all the way into SummerSlam. You know, you have um, Judgment Day there to mess with Seth. It, I think it could get really interesting, and I think the matches would be really, really good. And I think that Finn Balor deserves to be back up in the World Heavyweight title picture. Finn Balor has been a mess as far as storylines go since pretty much his call-up. And it's, it's terrible because those of you who were diehard NXT people when Finn Balor was there like I was, it's sad to see, really, because Finn Balor, he's getting older. And his days in the sun, I mean, he's still got many years left ahead of him. Don't get me wrong. 
But with each passing day, it feels like his candle's kind of burning out a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm not talking about his popularity because the Judgment Day is the most overfaction outside of the bloodline in all of professional wrestling. So I do think that Finn Balor is your good option here. For Seth Rollins, again, you'd have good matches. You'd have a great storyline. And I think it would lead you very well in a SummerSlam. I mean, your two headline matches for SummerSlam would be Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor and then Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Thank you, thank you, thank you, WWE. If that is your choice, if that's what you decide to go with, we would all thank you very much. So that's the end of the fantasy booking for right now. Again, next week on the podcast, my goal is to cover this a lot more in depth because today is more of a backlash preview show than it is a fantasy booking show. So there's your draft. There is what I'm hoping to see from the draft. And let's get into this backlash card, shall we? As far as the backlash card is concerned, I don't think that there's a whole lot to be said that hasn't already been said about this. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest are facing off and what I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, is a street fight. I think it might be called something else, but they're going to go one-on-one in a street fight. I think that Bad Bunny, this could be me just being prisoner of the moment right now, but Bad Bunny might be the best in-ring celebrity wrestler they have available right now. Logan Paul, phenomenal. Pat McAfee, phenomenal. But Bad Bunny and the amount of passion that he puts into it, I think it's hard to ignore. Logan Paul is probably a little bit more skilled, but there's some kind of something that's not, a, you know, it's not like he's a, not 100% balled in. It doesn't feel like it's just sometimes. He's so good that you can almost see past it. But I think as a wrestling fan, when you're watching him, sometimes it does still feel a little bit like he could be doing anything else. And, I mean, that could just be me looking at him as a person and thinking, wow, he could be doing anything else and he's doing this. That's crazy. That's cool. But with Bad Bunny, he has so much love for WWE and so much love for professional wrestling. He's been a fan his whole life. So you kind of feel that coming through the camera sometimes. You kind of feel Bad Bunny just living out his childhood dream. You know, he just so happens to be the most popular artist in the world. But his true love and his true passion is professional wrestling. So that's very cool to feel. This story with Damian Priest has been very good. It dates back to all the way back to WrestleMania 37. So we're looking at almost, you know, over two years that these two have had their hands intertwined with each other. And now they're in opposing corners. And I think that this is going to be really good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a really good match here. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of the shenanigans involved. Judgment Day is going to get in there and be a part of it. But at the end of all of this, you know, what you have here is just two mega stars of Puerto Rican descent going one-on-one in Puerto Rico. So what a cool moment this is going to be. This might as well be a WrestleMania moment for somebody like Damian Priest, I believe. You know, he hasn't really spoken on it a ton. But for him, I think that he views this as, you know, the pinnacle of his career so far. So I'm hoping to see, I would love to see Damian Priest get the win here. But we all know Bad Bunny's going to win. So that's going to be a cool moment for him. Damian Priest is going to get to, 
you know, lay down in his hotel bed later that night and feel like a million bucks. So my prediction for this match is Bad Bunny going over. In the next match, we got Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed for the United States Championship. One thing is for certain here. Bronson Reed will not win this match. I would bet my house, my cars, um, my wife. (laughs) I'm just kidding. on Bronson Reed not winning this match. I think Bobby Lashley should win this match. I love Austin Theory. He's one of my favorites right now. It's only built and built and built over the past few months. I I do like Bobby Lashley pretty good too, but Austin Theory, I think coming out of SummerSlam and getting ready for WrestleMania next year, needs to start working his way up just a little bit more up the card. I don't know if by WrestleMania next year, if he's in the world title picture or not. But, I mean, that's a long ways away. But I do think that Austin Theory is starting to make his way above the United States title picture, in my eyes. I think his star is growing. There were some videos from their tour in France recently where the French crowd was madly in love with Austin Theory. And Baron Corbin, who, again, a few weeks ago, I stated... I wish they would do more with Baron Corbin. He's way too good to be doing what he's doing. I get it. The bum-ass Baron Corbin thing worked, but you're not even doing that anymore. You're just having him lose constantly, and that's not the same thing. So all of that to say Austin Theory is growing into his star time period. It feels eerily similar to John Cena. It's not as big as John Cena. It's not. He's not as over as John Cena. But it's like, okay, he's a little bit too big for these United States title bridges. He needs to be doing something else. It may take him longer, and he may never grow to be as big as John Cena, but it does feel eerily similar to me. But I think Bobby Lashley is your winner here. For one, he's on the SmackDown brand, which is why Bronson Reed will not win this match. He's on the Raw brand, and I just don't see him getting traded over. Bobby Lashley winning here. You've got a great United States champion. You've got somebody who makes the title feel important. I just don't think that Bobby Lashley's at that world title level anymore. Um, He could very easily get back there. It's all storyline. But right now, Bobby Lashley feels much more like a United States champion than he does as the next challenger for Roman Reigns. So that's where I go with that. Bobby Lashley wins the triple threat match. The next match is Bianca Belair versus Io Sky for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, what's weird about this match is that it's for the Raw Women's Championship first off. And these ladies are both on SmackDown, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they are both on SmackDown. So, again, these titles will probably just get swapped. And the likelihood of Bianca Belair losing to Io Sky here, not incredibly likely. Could happen because we know how much Triple H loves Io. It's Sky now, but at the time it was Io Shirai whenever she was in NXT. He turned to her into a big deal there. So this match, <laughs> going into WrestleMania, I complained and complained and complained about the build to the Bianca Belair and Asuka match. And one of the things I talked about was how how Asuka wasn't great at speaking English. Eoska, same situation. But this past week on Raw, Bianca Belair 
told Dakota Kai whenever she tried to translate for her that she don't need to translate that Eoska and Bianca Belair know what each other's saying. And I thought that that was such a perfect, easy fix to the situation that I was bringing up leading into WrestleMania. It was perfect. And this match has triple the amount of storyline leading into it than the Oscar match does. I still think that Bianca Belair picks up the win here. I would love to see some kind of split in damage control. I'm not one. I'm not real big on splitting up factions or tag teams, which I had predicted a couple tag team split ups before they announced that the tag teams were going to get drafted as one in the draft. Um, but they didn't. They they you know they announced that the tag teams would would get drafted together. So none of that happened. Other than Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, the only people that I would like to see split up right now is Damage Control, just because I think that Bailey is too big to be in a faction like that. It almost feels like, I don't know, like they're not dead weight or anything like that because Dakota Kai and EOS Sky are so good, but it just feels like it's something for Bailey to do. And I don't want it to feel like they're just trying to give Bailey something to do. Bailey is a huge star whenever she's on her own. She knows how to work a mic. She's great in the ring. She is such a hateable heel, which is crazy because I never thought she could be a heel when she was doing the side ponytail thing in NXT. I just thought she was forever destined to be a baby face, but she's so good at what she does. She has become a much better heel than she even was a baby face. So get Bailey out of damage control and start working her into a title picture against Bianca Belair. And we'll figure something out along the way, right? In the next match, Seth Rollins versus Omos. I complained about this match last week on the podcast, about how it felt random, it felt unnecessary, still feels pretty random, still feels pretty unnecessary. Seth Rollins wins here. That's all we need to say about that. Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega. Again, on this one, I talked about this a little last week on the podcast. I'm excited for this. I'm very excited for this because I feel like Rhea and Zelina are going to have an excellent match. They may tear the house down on this one. It could possibly be the best match of the night. Um, That could be putting a lot of chips into the wrong basket here, but it could possibly be the best match of the night. Because Zelina Vega has been waiting on this moment. Zelina Vega has been waiting to get a big-time singles wrestling match. When performers wait and wait and wait like this, when they finally get their opportunity, one of two things happens. I guess one of three things happens, but the third one is not very likely. The first thing that happens is they come out and they tear the house down and they prove why They should have been on TV all along. They should have been wrestling all along. And they make their mark on professional wrestling to the point where it's no longer deniable that they should be on TV. The second thing that could happen is this could just be a total squash. And then, you know, it's a a one-minute match, whatever. Nobody remembers it. Zelina Vega goes back to being a manager. That's the end of that. And then the third thing happens is they give them a little time. And that person gets out there and they kind of embarrass themselves and they prove creative correct on why they should have never been out in front of people to begin with. 
I don't see that happening with Zelina Vega. It very well could happen, but I just don't see that happening. I think that she is a good enough performer that she deserves to be in this moment and that she's going to prove why she should have been on TV. So I do think that Rhea Ripley gets the win here. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, Rhea just had this big crowning moment at WrestleMania. They're not going to take the title off of her this quick, but you don't have to go over to get over here should be Zelina Vega's mentality. You don't have to go over. You don't got to win, but you can go out there and get yourself over to where a few months from now, people are looking at you saying, maybe she should be champion. I think that's Zelina Vega's goal here. Next up is the tag match, or the um, six-man tag match, rather, between Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn versus the Usos and their brother, Solo Sokoa. This feud has hit stagnant water for me. I'm over this. I don't necessarily care to see it anymore. It was interesting. It was the best storyline going. My first episode I ever done on this podcast involved this very storyline. I'm over it. I am so over it. I'm hoping this is the last time. It should be because they're on different brands, but I'm hoping this is the last time we have to see this. It'll be entertaining. It'll be a fun match, but it won't feel entertaining and it won't feel like a fun match to me because the storyline's dead to me. I'm over it. So I think if I was booking this, that the Usos and Solo Sokoa would, would win because if at this point, you know, or you could have... Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn win and then just put a nail in the coffin and say, well, they were the better ones, and then that's the end of it. But the Usos losing here would really drag on the whole Roman Reigns not believing in the Usos thing. And while I do think that that's going to be a prevalent thing going forward, I don't want it to be another check mark in that box. I want it to... Kind of swing back in the other direction, if that makes any sense. I don't want the bloodline to crumble right now. I want the bloodline to crumble probably around WrestleMania next year. You know, I, I I love the bloodline. They're the best faction in all of wrestling. I said that already once in this podcast. Judgment Day is probably number two. So I don't want to see them split up. And if the Usos and Solo Sokoa lose here... It's probably going to lead to more and more crumbling in the foundation that is the bloodline. So I think that they should win here. Give us a break from Roman being mad at the Usos. Make him happy for them. Give us a segment on SmackDown where he comes out and hugs them and tells them how good they are and how he always believed in them and make him seem like he's gaslighting them even more. The main event, or what I'm presuming to be the main event, is Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. This match has hit, as far as Cody Rhodes is concerned, Cody Rhodes has been killing it. He's been carrying it. But because they've had such a short amount of time to book this, it's not a 10 out of 10 storytelling for me. So I think that it's going to be great. I think that as far as storytelling is concerned, on Cody Rhodes' end, it's been a 10 out of 10. But as a whole, it's probably been more like a 7 or 6 out of 10. But I think it's going to be exciting. I think Cody Rhodes should absolutely win this match. If he doesn't, I don't know what the heck's going on. You know, if they're they're trying to give Cody his own version of hard times, that's fine. 
But Cody Rhodes can have hard times, as in Brock Lesnar just beating the absolute dog shit out of him and not him losing. Those are two different things. Have Brock just beat up on him and beat up on him and beat up on him, but don't have Brock beat him. I don't know where Cody Rhodes goes after this match. Him and Brock may extend this a little bit further. They may extend it into um, into Money in the Bank or not of Champions. Probably not of Champions, but not all the way to Money in the Bank. So if that's the case, I still think you have Cody win. I think you have Cody win here and at not of Champions. And possibly you have Brock be the reason that Cody doesn't win his tournament match to get to the World Heavyweight Championship. I'm already diving a little bit too deep into next week's fantasy booking, but yeah. You have Cody win here. You have Brock pissed off. He's still coming after Cody. He messes up his money or his um, not of champions world heavyweight championship match qualifying match. And you go forward from there. So your winners are hopefully in my eyes, bad bunny, Bobby Lashley, Bianca Belair, Seth Rollins, Rhea Ripley, the Usos and Sola Sokoa and Cody Rhodes. If you guys have any opinions on this, if you think that these matches should go different directions, or you have comments on the draft and why you think that the free agency thing was a good idea, or you completely agree with me and you think the free agency thing is completely dumb, and why are they doing this? Let me know. Hit me up on social media. You can follow me everywhere. It's What About Wrestling. You should be able to find me just that easy. If you can't find me that easy, on Instagram, it's WA Wrestling Pod. Um, TikTok, it is just What About Wrestling. Facebook and Twitter, it's What About Wrestling. It's the easiest way to find me. Again, if you type in What About Wrestling, guys, you are going to find me. But Twitter is also WA Wrestling Pod. So I hope to hear back from you guys on all of this. I'm sorry, so, so sorry about the recording schedule next week. I'm hoping to record the podcast on Wednesday, the following week. It will probably be on Friday again, and it will probably start alternating back and forth between Wednesday and Friday if I had to take a very wild guess on all of this, because those are my days off going forward. I work every Tuesday now, as opposed to being off every Tuesday now. So, sorry about all of that, guys. Just bear with me here. I could just put the podcast on halt and not record. But I do know, thankfully, there are several of you who look forward to my podcast every week. And to be completely honest, if I was to stop this podcast, even just for a brief moment, I would probably never start it back up again. So that's what I'm trying to avoid here. And we will see you guys all next week on the pod, hopefully hopefully talking about some fantasy booking going forward with these new rosters we have. So what? about wrestling.